I think we've gone on and on in some of our podcasts and I've had to cut out like really good stuff, which I don't want to do. Yeah, no problem. That's, that's good. That, I, cool. I'm, all, I'm only smart for about 30 minutes at a time. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm about five minutes, but somehow <laughs> we stretch it out. Uh, your, time, your time's up. So. You're listening to People Not Things, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs, marketers, and creatives to explore how people are the critical connection of our work and ask why we often take them for granted. My name is Max Kirchhoff, and I host this podcast with my business partner, Isla Murray. Our business, Llama 6, is best known for our bold visual identity work, innovative marketing campaigns, and our commitment to collaboration and critical thinking. We're sitting down with entrepreneurs, creatives, marketers, artists, and others to talk about their passion, their process, and how they stay focused on the people and relationships that matter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to People Not Things. This is Max here with my co-host, Isla. Hello. And today we have Jason Harris. He's the president and CEO of Mechanism. It's a creative agency out of San Francisco, New York, Chicago, and Seattle, uh, and wrote this really great book called The Soulful Art of Persuasion, which I picked up about three months ago. Uh, we just wanted to chat with him today. And so, yeah, welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for uh, having me. I'm excited to be here. I actually heard about you guys because a lot of people at Mechanism listen to your podcast. And you guys, I think you had someone on and you mentioned the book. And, yeah. uh, and so like, I had like three people come up to me and say, this podcast mentioned your book and <laughs> yeah. no way. that's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Exciting. Yeah. That yeah. was the um, episode with Rachel Charlesworth on personal brand. Well, I think it's interesting cause we're actually living in uh, a lot of the, the time we're living in now, like we're all, you know, you guys do this naturally uh, remotely and I'm used to doing a lot of uh, podcasts, you know, often in, in person, believe it or not. Um, but now everything is video conferencing and done remotely. And uh, the whole idea of, you know, living through COVID, uh, I think proves the point that brands uh, are forced to be more human. And yeah. brands mm-hmm. have, to, have to think, I mean, that was sort of the, the, the zeitgeist of where it was going before all this happened. But even now, it's more so that, you know, just being a brand and not having, uh, not, not, having humanity or putting yourself out there or caring about others yeah just being like a brand a one note brand that's consistent all the time and cares about you know just being on their strategy totally, I totally. Think it's, like, it's, a, it's gone you know and the and the consumer can see right through the brands who are doing a good job of that and those that aren't like when yeah. it first started our inboxes were flooded with all these like gross emails and i i've seen a lot of sales that are like it's a discount sale for quarantine and yeah. it's so tone deaf and it just shows like how little soul and ugh, and like substance these brands have. So when a brand actually does a good job, like even Lyft, I saw they're partnering up to help get medical supplies all over the place, yeah. like that kind of thing. You're like, oh, that's like a real legit thoughtful, um, you know, offering that they're doing in this time. I definitely think, yeah that's a good example of lift i i didn't even hear about that one but yeah i think every brand you know you can tell even how far along brands are during this time because their strategy is showing whether it's yeah. whether it's like trying to do um a a sales or a revenue gain while this is happening but it's veiled in like yeah uh, 
10 day free trial because you're at home or whatever it might yeah, be yeah. versus brands that are uh, actually taking action and doing something uh, for people, but they, they, you know, they're not doing it um, with no return expected, but they're doing it because they care, but that's going to be, you're going to remember that as a consumer and you're going to have positive thoughts of Lyft now, you know, Lyft totally. be, you're going to be like, well, Lyft did this and Uber didn't do this. So I'm going to, yeah, or even time. Zoom, like this call is for free. That's exactly right. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Zoom. Thanks. We'll see you later. <laughs> or never. Yeah. <laughs> we. I think we actually have a paid subscription. So oh. this, this call well, isn't free. Well, everyone else is getting it. Uh, I like <laughs> it. Ma Max bringing it back. Bring it back. No, but um, check it, yourself. It, check on, yourself. Yeah. On that topic, I find that really interesting. I saw a meme this morning. I don't see a lot of video commercials. I think mainly because I only watch streaming services that don't have commercials. But um, apparently there's a Walmart commercial thanking all of their workers. And the oh. big complaint people have had, though, is oh. like, that's really nice you'd make a commercial, but like we're all well, getting paid minimum wage. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's true. like, just instead of like spending all the money on that production and the distribution of that commercial, like just give us all bonuses or something like hazard pay. <laughs> right. yeah. That's really interesting. And I was like, yeah. oh, that, yeah. And I, that's just a meme that I randomly saw. Um, no, I think, it's true. When you think deeply, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a good jumping off point actually into sort of the social good component. Um, Jason, one of the things, so reading through your book, there's like, you talk, I think a lot about sort of doing social good, whether it's like very directly or very indirectly. Um, but you talk a lot, uh, you know, in the principles of the book, be original, be generous, be empathetic, be soulful. Um, and there's like, you weave a lot of uh, ideas around doing social good in there, like whether it's through generosity or whether it's through empathy. Um, yeah. And it's it's so interesting to talk about this because that's really what we're talking about. Like right, what Lyft is doing is is supposed to be out of social good. What some of these other companies have talked about doing, like like reconfiguring their factories to create ventilators, like whatever that is. And the question I had that's like, I think bigger than the current COVID crisis even is like, I think Isla and I would love to just do social good. Like we would yeah. only work in that space if possible. Um, and, and then, but the message we get, I think from society at large is like, well, you can't do that and make money because those things compete with each other. Um, and, and I noticed like in some of the YouTube interviews I saw of you and some of the other things I've read from you, it's, you talk a lot about doing social good and committing time to that. And yeah. like, I guess I was curious, like, how do you balance that? And do you think those are at odds or do you think they can work together? Like, I think, I think they can work together, but I think at least for, for me, I would never look at social good as trying to make uh, money. I think you, there's certainly consultants that work with brands that help them find their purpose and deliver social good and they are well paid. There's ways you can certainly do it. Um, for me, I think, um, you know, I looked at it as uh, advertising is a uh, hard competitive, yeah. but, but fairly well paid industry. Uh, <clears throat> and if you're doing that, then doing social good, should be using those same tools and the power of advertising that you use for brands that you get well paid for, mm -hmm. but use those same principles to do uh, social good campaigns where you don't get paid yeah. because that sort of is like an offset in the karmic landscape of the world, you know, like you're yeah. getting paid for promoting these brands and maybe some of them do social good. Most of them don't but you can then, you know, get inspired and 
feed your soul by doing this other work. And I think if personally, if I tried to, I mean, I'm with you, if I could just do social good and make a living and a career, I would do that a hundred percent. But in my mind, I've just uh, sort of wiped the possibility of getting paid and having a decent living off the map because it's allowed me to do that without expecting any monetary return. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Just expecting the inspirational return. Yeah. I think that's yeah, totally. That's it. But I do have a good example that I talk about in the book. Um, if you want me to, yeah, go uh, for it. Go into it. But there's um, so when I look at uh, what I when I call soulful, and I think it's a good thing when we talk about branding, is I always I talk about it as um, it's like skill and where where skill and purpose meet. So if you make uh, a list of things that you're skilled at, and you make a list of things that you care about, you'll blend those together and come up with an idea of, of what you can do for social good. And it could be a brand, you know, the things you can offer, like, you, I mean, I'll go back to the example, like Lyft, you know, they, we can offer transportation, we can offer whatever service Lyft is available to offer. Yeah. That's something they're skilled and designed for, and they have the servers and systems to get things where they need to be. And then on the other side, what they care about right now or what the need state is, and they've come up with a concept. And that's what brands should be doing in this time is what they, what they have to offer and what they're caring about that's happening. And then they'll come up with an idea when those two things link up. But people can also do that. So, yeah. a, uh, uh, and this will get back to like, can you get paid for this? A bar- <laughs> There's a friend of mine who was a barber in London named Josh Combs who... Um, I, you know, I love this story cause he was just a barber and he cut hair and he realized like a lot of us. So I guess that's all my career is like, I'm just an advertising guy. And he's like, he's like, I'm just a barber. And that's, yeah. I, guess, I guess that's my life. And then he took one lunch break and cut some, a homeless person's hair on the street in London mm. and had a conversation with him and, and gave him a sense of humanity. And he, he, he looked better. He felt better. He connected with with this guy, Josh. And then he started doing it on every lunch break. Then he started doing it one day a week. Then he started quitting his job and just doing that. Then he started going around the world and getting grants to, you know, document homeless people around the world and cleaning them up and writing stories about them. Then he, then he got a job traveling the world, getting paid to speak to inspire people. And now his net revenue and income, by cutting homeless people's hair is much higher than an, yeah. hour, an hourly wage as a barber because he did something that he turned into a new career for him with the same skill he already had. Yeah. But he, had he had that idea of, I care about the homeless problem. My skill is cutting hair and he turned that into a career. So there can be opportunities where you can do social good like that and, and turn it into a, a revenue driver. That's, that's so interesting. And I yes. think like, takes Isla and I, I think would take that very much to heart is uh, we were talking before we started recording, like our, our business, it's still sort of this, uh, we're at about four years right now uh, as an agency. We've both been working in the industry for a while um, and we formed this and we sort of have, you know, we got into the creative studio space and we're doing all this like really great visual work and design work. And we've just started thinking more and more about like, how do we get back to like doing the weird stuff on the internet that we really started with that we like doing? We liked challenging ideas and thinking critically about stuff. 
And it's, it is really interesting to think about that because I think the social good part and the pro-social aspects of it are what we really loved was like breaking, breaking uh, stereotypes, breaking ideas that people had about things and other people. And like, it, it, that really is helpful to me just personally, as we reformulate now, hearing yeah. that story from you, because I'm like, oh yeah, are we, have we just lost the passion and we're just operating our skills at a really high level and we're not necessarily doing stuff that we think is like bold and new and, and cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's, yeah. that is, seems like a secret ingredient almost there that we've just yeah, like, and lost I think track of. And yeah. I think it's so, it's so hard with like the daily grind to not give yourself time to like sit and meditate with things that you feel about uh, to yeah. then have space to even come up with ways to execute your skill in a positive fashion. You know, like sometimes you're like depressed by the, well, right now I'm depressed by the news. <laughs> but yeah. I, I want to help. I want to do something. I know what I'm good at, but I haven't like given myself space, I guess, to like brainstorm and like try to come up with some kind of creative solution. Yeah, that I, can help I, feel, with. I feel the same way because we're we're getting like inundated with COVID briefs by all of our clients, and we're oh, wow, yeah, and we're, we're trying to come up with ways that these brands can um, give back and do more and sell in ideas that also help them with their business. And I feel like I've lost the time, kind of what you're saying, where I could just do something that I think is right or that I want to do. Um, yeah. It's like, we're so busy uh, doing in service of the people that are paying us that sometimes we, we lose sight of what we should be doing, you know, that will, that will give, give us, uh, fill, our, fill our soul. And I think uh, back to Max, your point of, make if you, all you want to do would be social good and how to make money at it. I think one thing to do is to start, you know, look at that skill and look at that purpose, what you guys care about and start forcing yourself to do some of those things Yeah, yeah. Um, or more of those things, but don't worry about money yet. Just do them really well. And I bet as you focus on them down the road, you will come up with, ways to turn it into a, a profitable business i bet that would happen just like your barber friend <laughs> just yeah. just like just like my barber friend yeah you yeah. guys are gonna start cutting uh hair now yeah. Yeah. i don't know if i'd be good at that maybe beards Only i've got cut brother. your hair a couple times max yeah. and i've done a terrible job so. <laughs> it was oh, well, all right we gotta come up with a new plan uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's so funny, um, kind of on that same thread of social good. In in the book, you you talk a lot about um, people who inspired you, and like finding encouraging like heroes and role models and stuff. Um, and it's really funny. I think uh, in the chapter you talk about uh, really like embracing yourself and like your true self, and like seeing I guess like the weird inside of yourself. I forget how the expression you used exactly. But um, you talk about David Bowie, which is like definitely one of those people who I look too, I think also, and like David Byrne, and even in a more contemporary way, like Lil Nas X, um, like these people who are real, really like embracing their weird, embracing like who they are and representing that. I see that a lot with like musicians and artists. Um, and yeah. I have a really hard time when I think about business or even yeah, that's a good this point. side of the creative world. Um, and like, I guess I was curious, like, are there people you feel like represent either social good or just being your real self or being your weird self in business. Like, 
that's one of the things I struggle with a lot is like as a business leader for a creative agency is finding people who I look up to in that way. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a good question. And I, you know, I, I tend to look outside of our industry to, to find yeah. it. And, you know, I don't know, someone that I'll, I always, obviously David Bowie is super inspirational um, because he really leaned into himself, even though he had all these different uh, characters that kept evolving, they were always, weirder than the next and there was always an expression of himself and you know when he when i talk about the book is when he first started um playing music he would uh they wanted him to make folk music and be like bob dylan and none of his musics it didn't go anywhere until he like leaned into really who he was and yes you can find out with musicians someone else that i always uh think about is uh, is actually J.K. Rowling from who wrote you know, all the Harry Potter just because you know she was trapped in a in a job that she didn't like and you know the story I don't know the exact uh, exactly how it went but basically she was in um, in London and and the was like stuck on the tube like the tube stopped and she came up with this whole idea and really like the series of all the books in this like tube stop that kind of all hit her all this creativity like hit her at once she was like daydreaming and she took that and built it into you know billions and billions of dollars of of um you know her her own empire um basically by being stuck on a train tapping into her creativity and you know i don't know if that's her um leaning into herself but it's more of her resisting going down the path of, you know, my career is going to be a boring nine to five job that I don't really care about. Um, And that sort of set her up to come up with, you know, she was always an avid reader, et cetera, but it set her like pushing against, this isn't me. I'm destined for something else. And then being stuck on the train and having this sort of bolt of inspiration. I don't know. I always think about that story as you don't have to stay in, the path that you're on yeah you you gotta always kind of think about yeah but i also think she must have had like incredible drive or like a fire up her ass when she got that inspiration to get it into the world because i'm pretty sure her story after that was tough like she was living in her car or something like that maybe i'm making this up but like she and she wrote it like at the at, like in edinburgh at a cafe that i've been to oh really (laughs) but like she um but she yeah, it's called like the elephant and something. Anyway, I should know that. Max will find it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, just kidding, Max. I'll find it. Anyway, yeah. So she, but I mean, it wasn't just like, Someone I feel like sometimes, it. I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And it's like, there isn't a follow through. Like, it's like, it's not enough of a fire of an idea or something like that. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with that. Well, just to just, say I'm impressed think- with her. I think you're saying you're lazy sometimes. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Hey, lazy Uh, is okay sometimes, especially right now. (laughs) It's just how I feel right now. Yeah, I I don't know. That story just strikes me as like not, um, it doesn't always have to be, uh, you know, I was my whole life I wanted to become this thing. And I was on this path and I was destined to be an Mm. entrepreneur and start a business because you know, aviation was always in my blood or what, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, and I just like that story because it's, it's, um, you know, she uh, obviously was like a reader and into books and, you know, was 
you know, doing something she didn't really yeah. care for and, and found a way to, to pivot. And like a good entrepreneur, like I think what, uh, what you're saying is she stuck with it. You know, she yeah. like grinded it out once she knew like, okay, this is the idea. Like I'm going to grind through this idea. And, yeah. and she, I don't know, she's doing such cool things now with COVID where um, teachers can, you know, read, like she, she got rid of all the copyright license and oh, yeah. cool. teachers can like read to students online, her book and make videos with her characters. And I don't know. I think she just, that's another way, you know, she has this yeah. asset, she has this asset and the skill and that's her way of, of, you know, helping people during this time. Um, so yeah. that's, that's so cool too, because I feel like that's also just her recognizing that she's created something much bigger than herself, even that like the community really owns it. And that's like, who like being able to do that. I heard, I heard that about, uh, she lifted the licensing so teachers could read, uh, read to kids and be able to record it and stuff like that. Cause that was, I think part of it. You couldn't like do video recordings of you reading. You couldn't it or record, something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it like lifted all of that because she realizes like Harry Potter and all of her work is, is so much bigger now. It has such a big community and fan base. Yeah. Um, on a, on a sort of like different thread. Um, I, I really wanted to sort of pick your brain. Uh, I guess it is related, but unrelated. So with the book, uh, The Soulful Art of Persuasion, um, you go a lot into it. And it's it's really cool because you really do talk a lot about building character um, rather than tips and tricks. Um, when I found the book, uh, my little side story, I was in Book People here in Austin. Uh, I just was there. And I was honestly looking for business books because I feel like I just don't understand business. And I'm looking for this, like, uh, I don't know, some sort of tome, this like <laughs> of, to understand you know, better how our business should work or how something like that. And it's, it's probably a book that I'm never going to find. It's probably advice that I just need to like create inside of myself, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But, um, I, I found your book actually, it was in the business section or it was like next to the business section, the marketing section, something like that. And I was just immediately drawn to the cover. And I also realized after I picked it up that I had heard about it from a friend. Um, and I was like, Oh, this is really cool, but maybe this is going to be like a self-help thing, like tips and tips and tricks. Uh, and really, when I dove into it, I was so surprised because it was a lot of the sort of philosophical approach that I feel like I use and Isla does. And it's like the way we view the world um, of like really building character and that yeah. it's like if you're really being your best self and, and your best person and really working on yourself, you can create influence because people will look up to that. People will admire that. People will want to have a relationship with you. Um, and the, the question I had actually was like, where i guess like how what was the impetus to get this book together was it just stuff that you were practicing on your own and like the way you were living and you decided to share it did people just like tell you you needed to write a book like what's that story um yeah so this the book took me about three years to write and um you know if i've never this is my first book so i've never done a book before but basically you write a proposal and then you shop it around to publishers and then hopefully, you know, a few of them might be interested and then you finish writing it. And then what I didn't realize is then you have to market it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so the, <laughs> like from start to finish of the book, it's like a five year. Oh, wow. Situ- it's like longer than being in the white house. It's like a, <laughs> like a whole, a whole situation that I didn't realize, but the, the impetus to do it, I was very much like you. I was always looking for, business books, um, to sort of sharpen, um, 
the way I think about business and to see who aligned with the way I think. And I, I went through a lot of books. I mean, I, I read a ton of business books and some of them were great and some of them were helpful, but a lot of them when, as I went through it, I, I, and, and take notes, I was like, I don't really think I operate that way. And I've had yeah. a pretty successful business for 15 years that, that, you know, I've co-founded with some other people yeah, and that's not really, I don't believe in the things that a lot of the conventional wisdom that business books are saying. And so I really tried to think about the way that I operate and the guiding principles uh, for me and for our company and the way we operate. And then that's when I sort of created the, the habits and the, and the principles. It wasn't that I had them, outlined by my you know i sleep with them by my bed at night and i I like follow those pillars it was more that um i built those pillars based on um being successful and and now it's sort of a i turned it into a system and i think uh just like you i this this is my take on it which is very different than the conventional um way that you think which i think a lot of business books are transactional yeah. They're about get, getting sales done. They're about hitting quick goals. Uh, they're about, you know, matching the person you're trying to sell to. You know, mine is bucking that, which is like leaning into being yourself, playing the long game. Business is a marathon. It's not about being transactional. You have to give things away. You know, you have to think of things from the other side. You have to do something inspirational that is some type of social good that is bigger than your business yeah Um, so those are sort of like a lot of the the way i was already working that i put down at the book that's cool that's so interesting um especially i mean just yeah going back to that right it's like all of the business books all of the advice that i got around sales especially which is i think if you work in the creative industry and you start as somebody who works as a creative or as like a technologist which is more like me uh, getting into sales is the, one of the hardest parts of business, like getting to that next level. There's this like certain implicit level where you just have relationships and people want you to do things for them, you know, as a contractor or like on the fly, or they know you build websites. But then when you try to systematize it, it was so hard. And I kept, I think, taking all the wrong advice, which was like those other books, which was, you know, creating our pipeline and how do I systematize and operationalize our relationships. And then I realized that like we were losing people because they liked our authenticity. They liked us being our weird selves. They yeah. liked our emails where Isla wrote like reviews of her favorite types of apples. Like <laughs> they <laughs> didn't, that. yeah, they didn't want, you know, to get these like shitty emails from me for lack of a better word. That's like, you know, what are your goals for Q3? You know, like what? Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to hear about whatever crazy stuff was happening in my life right then. <laughs> like, yeah. So. I love that. I think that that shows you, uh, I mean, it, it it works, right? Because they're buying, you know, people are buying you. Yeah. They're buying you guys when they're doing the work with you guys. And if they feel like you're not uh, showing, I always call it, you know, in the book, I call it like showing a little psychic skin. If you're not letting them into who you are, there's not going to be a, an actual connection then. You know, if, yeah. if you're not opening up to your strengths and weaknesses and interests and failures and uh weirdness then that's not going to allow them to do the same and you're going to have a very transactional business relationship you're not going to have a deep connection 
that will transcend and go on for a longer period of time. You know? Yeah. And in, in our experience, whenever we've had an, a relationship like that, the project does not go as well. Like it's a project always is better if it's collaborative and like everybody realizes that their hearts are on the table and we're in it together kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And it's not that you don't have frustrations working no. that way because you don't hang up the phone and say, man, that guy's like out of his mind or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but But you can weather that because you have, uh, connection, you know, and, mm -hmm. you know, one thing that I always, um, which I think is a little anti business, but I always, some of my best friends in the world I've hired at the company. And, yeah. and I think, you know, the wisdom is like not to work with your friends and, um, not that it always works out because sometimes it can torture friendship too. But I find that if you're going to be working and putting in the hours and opening up and being your weird self, you should do that with your friends or you should feel like when you walk into work, you're walking into a collective group of friends, not a working like this is my work personality and this is my after work personality or my before work personality. You know, yeah. it, should all, it should all blend together um, as much as possible. So I've always um, sub subscribed to the theory of, of hiring you know, friends because you trust them because that's why they're your friends. Um, mm -hmm. And for the most part, it's worked out. Not always. Though. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, I think a lot of the people we, our colleagues who we bring on as collaborators are people we're very friendly with and it has worked out. I think the key ingredient for us has been, and, and maybe this is true of you too, is like, we try to practice some real like radical vulnerability and like be really honest with each other, not in a bad way. I, I think sometimes people see brutal honesty in the creative world and they mean like being mean to each other. I don't mean that. I mean like being very transparent and being willing to be vulnerable with each other. Yeah. And it really makes our work better because we can like just really communicate clearly and be able to like tell each other when we're having a bad reaction to that communication. Um, but yeah, awesome. that seems like such a funny key ingredient. I have a small aside story about the sales part of all this, going back to that real quick. One time I tried a, like a sales trick that I had you know, observed or somebody <laughs> gave me advice on. And it was, we were in a contract negotiation with a client who was totally gonna work with us, but he was dragging his feet on getting back to us about the proposal. And I emailed him after a few days and I was like, hey, just so you know, our pipeline is filling up. Um, like, would love to hear back from you. Da, 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 da. And he emailed me back and he was like, look, you're not going to bully me into like doing this faster. And I was like, Oh my God, I tried it once and it wow. totally backfired. <laughs> That's amazing. And I was like, he was totally right. I didn't tell him that at the time, but like, I just took a step back and was like, yep, you're right. I totally tried to like pull a sales trick on you and you saw it immediately. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah. You can, people have really high bullshit detectors and they can, they yeah. can really suss that out. You know, I had a, I had a video conference with a client yesterday and um, it, I was very, I was very vulnerable about our relationship and like working yeah. together. The big client, it's a famous brand, but they were starting to, I think like take advantage of the team. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to really um, put myself out there and be vulnerable um, and also like support the team. But this is someone I've had a relationship with for a while, this client. Yeah. And um, I'm usually really good at this, <laughs> but I had like all these points I wanted to say, but I'm, you know, cause you build relationships through being 
open and honest yeah uh, absolutely about, you, know, you know pros and cons of of the partnership and I, we had this like conversation and then i like blurted out all the things that they were doing that was wrong and i did it <laughs> in, like it was like a machine gun of of issues <laughs> and it was just like blah 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 and she was just like whoa 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 uh, and, and it's like i said the right things and i was you know vulnerable about yeah. how it was impacting us and our relationship but i was like i had sat on it for so long it just came out in like a flurry yeah and and, and uh i don't know it's so i'm like even though I follow all the principles in the book, I still have to think about, you know, if you, if you aren't, if you aren't checking in along the way in the relationship and you yeah. sweep stuff, if you sweep stuff under the rug, it's like any relationship, personal or professional, yeah, it, comes it, up. it builds up and then it comes out in like <laughs> yeah. really, really unexpected ways uh, that, yeah, I was just like shocked after I, that is, um, we are similar in that that is also my style of when I don't, when I'm not clear the whole time about something, there just comes some day where I am like, can we have 15 minutes? And I tell you everything that's been wrong for like six months. And right, it, yeah. it is not a good thing to do to other people. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it is it's very not, unkind. It's not, it's, it is because, you know, you, you think they can read your mind. Yeah. Um, or know the pain points that you're dealing with, but they, they can't, you got to be you know, front with them about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly just have a couple more questions because I'd love sure. to wrap this up with you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, and uh, I don't, uh, I'm not, I don't know if we're going to leave this part in or not, but I'm going to just lean into them because in case people want to talk about it. So I really wanted to sort of chat through like the coronavirus, you know, shelter in place and stuff and like what it's doing to our industry. And I just like, just on a couple points, because sure. I'm still not totally clear what it's doing. I'm in like a marketing slack where people are pausing budgets left and right at like these very big companies. I'm in some other creative slacks where it looks like it's business as usual for some people. Um, and so like, I guess, uh, do you think what's happening right now? Like, how do you think this is going to reshape our industry? Like, or do you have thoughts about that? Do you even think you know how you, how it might? Um, you know, I, obviously I'm not a fortune teller, so I'm not sure exactly yeah. how it's going to reshape. The industry and you know we have um we have like about 30 clients so we have sort of a real range of different products that are impacted in different ways and as a service business you're impacted by your client's business you yeah know, if your client's business is good and you're part of that that's good for you if your client's business is hurting then you're going to be hurting um i think i don't know exactly how it will ultimately impact the industry, except that I feel like we've shifted from being um, like an advertising agency in everyone, like in, even in what, what you guys do on, uh, you know, even in yeah. the, on the production um, creative studio side, we're almost, the industry is almost turning into well, a communications industry yeah. where we, we were hmm. not thinking about campaigns, but we're thinking about, um, everything we say to an audience and the ways that we say it, which is very different, I think, than, um, you know, your, your company is a PR company, your company is a digital company, your company is a brand strategy company. I feel like it's all blended now into communications because everything that you're saying to the audience is important. And, yeah. and it's always 
trying to tell a story of what we're living through. So I think in a way, I don't know, it's kind of shaped that business where we're not necessarily just doing advertising through this. We're doing much more thoughtful, strategic comms, you know, I don't know. I think that's one way that it changed it. And then I think brands, you know, on that trend of being more human, I think brands are going to come out of this much more thoughtful and much more human and, the work that's going to be done is going to be more connective and emotional and less um, transactional based, I think is, is maybe what's going to come from the, the, the outcome of it. I don't think we're going to go back to normal. Yeah. I don't think when we come back to work, uh, it's all going to go back to normal. I think it's, and I'm not exactly sure how it's going to change, but I feel like there's a sense that it's going to change forever. You know? Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I, I think um, I've been sort of telling this story in conversations recently and, and with Isla a lot. But it's like um, when I first started being on the internet many years ago, more than 20 years ago, um, the internet was like a place of small communities, not a place of large communities. Yeah. And the way it was shaped over the last two decades, especially by business, was to create big communities and viral content and make a stage out of the internet. And I think one of the things that's happened because of all of this is that the internet has become a place of small communities again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like the the sense of like virality and everybody being somewhere at one point is like sort of lost now because we're exhausted. Like we're online all day now, <laughs> everybody yeah. is. And we're in Zoom all day and we're on Instagram all day and we're everywhere all day. And so we're like recreating these smaller ideas of like neighborhoods on the internet. And I think that's going to like seriously change some of the stuff that we do too, because it, you see this trend in influencers. It's like virality is not necessarily like viral content isn't necessarily the best way to market something or to tune into a community or to be a part of it. And in some ways it's like the most like um, sterile way um, it, it, it can lose its heart when it gets to a certain level. And I think that's like an interesting thing. Like you're just talking about that maybe we'll never go back to normal is like all of these small communities on the internet that are forming. Yeah, I think, I think that's really interesting that it's gonna be much more targeted. Um, yeah. I think the scary thing about that, I mean, there's, there's good things to that, yeah. but I think, I think the scary thing is, you know, will that become, will that become where we don't, um, we're not connected to people that don't see the th- things the same way we do? Yeah. You know, will that be yeah. will that be these neighborhoods that are we're all talking about the same thing versus you know my hope is like how do we come back as a more interconnected global citizens you know how do we yeah. see that everything is much more connected than we ever thought before and that we rely on each other because something that can happen in another country can impact you know everybody else and so how do we come out of this mm. more? How does the world shrink? You yeah. Know, how does the world get smaller from this? You know, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think you're right, right? It's like, how do we deal with a globally connected world, yeah. but not silo ourselves into like everybody who agrees with us yeah. um, already, which is, I, I mean, I some of us, I think, don't like that at all. Anyway, I get really weird when everybody agrees with me, as Isla knows. <laughs> 
Well, That's why we not, work well together. There's <laughs> no way. There's no way I ever agrees with you. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, well, Jason, I want to say say thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really great conversation. Yeah, this um, was so fun and like. Oh, uh, thank you. Thought provoking yeah. too. And yeah. so, Jason <laughs> Harris. Jason Harris, Soulful Art of Persuasion. Uh, Mechanism is the company you're CEO and president of and doing some really rad stuff. So, um, and thanks. yeah, this has been so great. Thanks so much. All right, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Find and subscribe to People Not Things wherever you listen to podcasts. Our music was created by Mary Blount. If you'd like to be on the podcast or have feedback about the podcast, please let us know at peoplenotthings.party. That's right, we don't have a .com, it was taken, so it's peoplenotthings.party. This podcast is a production of Llama 6, our creative studio. We focus on brand, visual identity, website design, and a whole lot more. We've worked with tiny early stage startups and giant brands. So if you're looking to take that next step with your marketing or creative work, let us know. We're there to help. Until next time.